there we go. Here we go. It is episode eight by Parks Presents. Stick to Hockey Live. We've got a fun show today. It's Friday. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And from Crossing Broad, Crossing Broadcast, from Snow the Goalie, we've not only got Anthony Sanfilippo, we've also got Russ Joy, who sometimes I term as Russ Joy Less. <laughs> but we'll get to them in a minute. Let me tell you about Bet Parks because this is a great time, great weekend, great time of year. The confluence of all these sports happening at the same time, baseball, you've got hockey, you've got college and pro football, you've got, you name it, F1 back this weekend in the U.S. at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. You can bet it all on the Bet Parks app. So grab it, download it, easy to use, fast to use, faster to win than ever before. You're going to find that you can bet on everything and anything from same game parlays, live in-game betting, player performances, first to score, exact score, rushing yards, touchdown, you name it. It's all there for you. And right now, all Bet Parks users can use the promo code JASON750. That'll get you a risk-free bet up to $750. Again, for new and existing users, and terms and conditions do apply. So download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, Conquerville Subaru. I've been with Conquerville for decades, since 89 when I bought my first car there. And I've bought many cars since. Why? Conquerville cares. It's simple. They do great work in the community. First Subaru Nation Love Promise Dealer Award winner back in 2015. They continue to support eight years now. The Nemours Children's Hospital of Delaware. They've adopted 15 classrooms in Marcus Hook Elementary School, donating $500 for the teachers to buy classroom supplies. Plus, they continue the donation of thousands of coats for La Comunidad Hispania in Kennett Square. They've done that for a decade as well. It's a great time to visit the beautiful showroom on Route 202. Check out the inventory, pre-owned inventory, and a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. You're going to love it. Plus, it's more than a dealership. It's also a great service department with a free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com. Check them out again on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember that Concord Bill cares. All right, let's get to the boys now from Crossing Broad, Snow the Goalie. We bring them both in. It is Anthony Sanfilippo and Russ Joy. How you doing, boys? Doing fantastic, Jason. Good to right, see Mike's your working. beautiful face today. Doing uh, great. I'm going to fix your ad read. La Comunidad Hispana. That's it. We're good. Uh, uh, wait, you give to- you that again? La Comunidad Hispana. You don't pronounce the H. And don't make it Hispana. Oh. There's no uh, tilde on the N. You know, that's... La Espanola, whatever. It no, that's not it's not why we're here today, you know. It's, All yeah. right. I like that. I okay. To, I needed yeah. a little Spanish brusher. The only Spanish I remember is from my honeymoon. Uh back in God, what was it, 2005? I couldn't remember the year. Uh, around this time of year, actually, we were co- trying to come back. I was stuck in Hurricane Wilma. And the only Spanish I remember from the trip is asking the people from the hotel when we were at the shelter, uh, uh La Camita esta noche. Like, are we going to have food tonight? Because they ran out of food. At the, we were supposed to be there a day. 52 people in an elementary school classroom sleeping on pool mats. Sucked. Can't book my honeymoon, boys. <laughs> you made it. Yeah. Well, we always wonder when you get married, when the shit hits the fan, how's your significant other going to react? I got to find out on the honeymoon. So, um, Did you have first virus of all, remorse immediately or not? Does she watch the show? No, she was great. great. Okay, she, well, there you go. Uh, she there she's like could be in an episode of Alone or like Survivor, you know. Oh, good show. She's a fire starter. Um, real quick, Ant, what's it yeah. been like covering the Phils? Because fuck, has that been fun? It's been fun. I mean, that's the thing, Jay. I mean, it's that's why know, we do this, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I've had a lot of fun covering the Flyers in twenty some years. I mean, we've had some great playoff runs, some some really exciting times. It's just been that, you know, the Flyers have been mediocre to poor for a long time, and the Phillies have been pretty bad for a long time. So those are the two sports that I primarily write about. And, you know, so for for the last decade, it's been kind of a lot of crap. And uh, so to finally be able to get something that's, that's fun and exciting and gets the fans excited and really generates a lot of conversation and um, you know, positive conversation anyway, uh, it's, it's good. It's fun. It's good to be down there. I'll be down there again this weekend, heading down today, uh, for game three, uh, I'll be at all three games for the NLCS. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's, I think it's going to be a long series, a nail biter, um, going back to San Diego, but ultimately I think the Phillies are going to pull this one out and get to the world series. Oh, the tension in playoff baseball 
Nothing is, like. Oh my god! Somebody was Over, gave me this. Closest overtime hockey in playoffs. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really the only thing that's close to it. Yes, yeah. everything is so consequential. Somebody used this uh, parallel for for baseball playoffs to me the other day. I, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was watching playoff baseball is I forget what it is. I'll I'll, I'll dig it up, but um, I want to ask you guys both this real quick because that Phillies team, Ross, is. Like, they're really likable. You know, Harper came in. I thought he was a D-bag when he was in Washington. I'll be honest. Okay. Came here. He embraced it. I'm like, okay, is this genuine? Is He's proven it to be genuine because it's been over time now and really ingratiated, ingratiated himself into this community on so many levels. And then you got guys like Brandon Marsh. I mean, you've got so many likable guys. Uh, you know, Wheeler's a great pitcher, but a likable guy. And there's And there's a lot of them on this team. Is that just because they're good? And they're likable, or are they just likable? Period. And it's a the benefactor is that they're good. Well, it's kind of like a secondary discovery if you're a fan, right? Because so many baseball fans, I think, had been turned off to the team, and you saw it throughout the summer that the attendance wasn't that great. And usually, the response was, "They've got to prove it." I don't want to, you know, open myself up to getting hurt again. Um, and so, I think it's just kind of a confluence of a bunch of events. But like one of them is you just have uh, a group that seems to play for one another. They play hard for one another. You're getting contributions from up and down the lineup. And these guys are quirky and kind of weird and fun. And uh, it doesn't hurt that, you know, you got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes. You got the, uh, the playlist, Kyle Pagan from uh, crossing broad went and found, uh, you know, pulled up their Spotify playlist from the uh, clubhouse after they uh, beat the Cardinals. And uh, they're just a, they're just a fun group. I think Marsh in a way, um, reminds you a little bit of being lanky and goofy, like a Jason worth. They're not the same player, but like there's a little bit of that, that flair. Uh, and then, you know, I think you just got a, a group of guys. Like I, kind of was with you on Harper when he first came and I was wondering how much of this is just like meaningless pandering. Is he authentic? It kind of feels like he really has, uh, in a way identified with the city. And, and that's another thing that just kind of plays into, you know, I don't want to say the legend it's too early for the legend, but like, this season, like there's something about this team that feels right. And it might not have the entire season, but this postseason has been, I think, the closest to like the 08 team vibes as uh, as it's gotten. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, the playlist thing is great, too. And the dancing on my own, uh, the Callum Scott song winner of the uh, 2015 Britain's Got Talent. How you like that depth knowledge? Ant? That's pretty good, right? That's good. Although yeah. it wasn't his originally. No, it's uh. What's her name? Um, it's a female that sang it. That's correct. Uh, I forget her name off the top of my head. So my Robin. knowledge base. Robin. Yes, that's right. Um, let's get to the Flyers because this is Stick to Hockey Live. It's not Stick to Phillies Live. Uh, and they've <laughs> and been there's a lot good. To get... What's that? Team. The hockey team has been good. It's been enjoyable, right? It, I mean, yeah. they haven't been perfect, but um, the results, obviously, and I think like every time in Philadelphia, you can always identify with a team that battles like that matters here more. Sometimes I think that's stupid that it matters here more than like it does because ultimately it's pro sports. But and they do battle like even in the Florida game on a back to back. I was impressed how they battle back. They almost seem ignorant to the fact that you're not supposed to do that against you know a team like Tampa and a team like Florida. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with the with the um more impressed with the comeback in the second period against Florida. I mean, obviously you come back and beat Tampa, you lose to Florida, but you know, you get down two nothing to Tampa early. You got the whole game to come back. You've had a couple days off. You, you you still got your legs under you. You know, you still feel like you can get back into that game. Plus you got Carter Hart and goal, right? And 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 Hart's been off to a really strong start for them the, the comeback in Florida you're down two nothing the next night you're back-to-back games you got your backup goalie and Sandstrom going it's easy for the mind to go okay this is not gonna be our night yeah five one loss you, you yeah it's it. easy for it to be yeah let's just shut it down and you know we'll get back at it on Saturday in in Nashville and they didn't and that's to their credit and that that to me is is even more impressive. Yeah, they lose the game, but they got back into the game. They forced Florida to play in the third period where, you know, years past, that's a cakewalk for Florida over the final 40. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, gr- a perfect game, like you said. I mean, I don't think they've played a great game yet uh, of the four games that they've played. There have been issues in each game. But at the same time, and Tortorella was really wise to point this out after the, fr- the home opener. Hockey today is different. It's a lot about – there's a lot of mistakes that are happening. You may only play a good 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, and get away with but it. If, but if you play hard and you and you stick to the game plan, even if you're only playing a good 35, 40 minutes, but you play hard against the other team, you're going to win more often than not. Yeah. And, and that's a real – it's a real smart assessment of how the game has changed from what it used to be, because it used to be you couldn't half-ass it for 20 minutes and get away with a win. Nowadays, nowadays you kind of can. And that's because the game has changed in such a way that you can, you can just ramp it up and play at, at your best level and still beat a team. As long as you've been playing them hard, even in those other minutes when you're not playing at your best. See, the thing is, too, is it's so much about momentum. Like, you see momentum in hockey, I think, like basketball. Like, in the NBA, you see momentum. And, you know, does Doc Rivers call the timeout at the right time? Or do they do the right things to stave off momentum? And what do you do out of that timeout? And the momentum you're seeing, I think, in the NHL is more pronounced than ever because of four-check systems and all that. And you just got to hope that when they have it, you're just in your structure and you keep them to the outside. And whatever you give up is not that detrimental. Um, but the thing is, you know, one thing that Tort said, and I've never heard a coach say this, and I absolutely loved it, is this is a find-a-way league, Russ. Find a way to get a win. It doesn't matter. You know, they've gotten these wins, I think, because of individual performances and much better structure, especially in the neutral and D zone. But the find-a-way league can only take you so far because they, they are bereft of high-end talent. They they are. Um it's probably important to kind of note, you know, how they got these wins and the teams that they picked them up against as well. Right. Like context is, is King in this situation. And it, it kind of goes without saying, but just in case it does need to be said, this team came in in better shape than pretty much any other team they've had to play to this point in the season because of the John Tortorella training camp. And so there's a, a line of thinking that if you had run into these four teams, mid-season do you walk away with a 3-1-0 record maybe it's possible devils aren't exactly very good vancouver hasn't won a game this year tampa you would assume you'd probably lose to once they've kind of hit their groove um i think that what you're seeing is a team that is afraid of their coach which is probably a good thing uh and a team that's better conditioned and also a team that entered the season as one of the worst rosters probably in hockey Um, whether it's injuries or just the way that the team was constructed. And if you're an opposing team, you're probably going to look at this as an easy game, a blow off game. And if you don't take this team seriously and you see the way that they're busting it now, um, you're entirely, you know, within the realm of getting upset and within the realm of having a turnover end up in the back of your net, like what happened with Noah Cates's goal. So I think that's what you're seeing. Uh, And they, to their credit, they're a scrappy team. And they have found a way to win three games to start the year. You know, the thing is, is Torts actually backed off on a lot of his conditioning stuff, too, because the team was so nicked up. And he said that uh, when he met with us one one night before one of the games, I had to back off because I just didn't want more guys to get taxed and then possibly get nicked up. Because at this point, I can't even field my dress rehearsal squad for that final preseason game. So, I mean... Guys came in in really good condition as well. Um, and, and I think I agree with you, Russ. You know, the thing is, it's human nature. Like to say, well, every NHL team, they're pros. They take on the opposite. Bullshit. They don't take on the opposition. They they go, well, tonight's a little bit easier of a night. That's the reputation the Flyers have. But and how long does it take for it to kind of go through the league to go, hey, when you play the Flyers, you got to bear down because they're going to work their bag off. I, I think once you get um... – you got to go about, you know, 10, 12 games into the season, really kind of get the sense that, you know, because I think a lot of teams look at those first 10, 12 games, almost like an extended um, preseason in a mm. lot of ways. Like they're still trying to get, you know, get their bodies into the right shape for the, for the long haul. Um, and I think after that, 
I think that then that you know they're feeling like okay, we're in we're in real season mode now, and you're going up again. Or we should dominate the Flyers. You go out there, and the Flyers play you hard, and they they hit and they 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 make it a tough game, and you know you're a little sore after playing them, even if you win the game. And then you know that's when it's going to start spreading around. Like, yeah, this team's this team's not as much of a pushover as you think they're going to be. Um, so I, I really think it takes about that long, and, and that's another two weeks. Um, and that's okay. I mean, you know, Flyers can take advantage of it in the in the in the short term um, if they have the opportunity. Will they? I don't know. I, I still look at the roster and I compare them against some of the better teams that are that they're going to be playing here coming up. I mean, I know Nashville's not necessarily one of them, and San Jose was off to a terrible start. Although, man, they beat the Rangers. I can't. I can't believe that. Um, but you look, you look coming up and you got the Carolina and you got Dallas, you know, and you got some tough teams coming in. Um, Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. The Rangers. York and Toronto and Ottawa. Yeah. All three of them on that trip. Right. Um, and and, and so you, you, you start to wonder how much can they do this on a night in night out basis and still come out ahead against all those teams who are on paper, not just a little bit better than the Flyers, a lot better than the Flyers. And that's yeah. where I that's where I say, I don't know if they can, but that's not a bad thing. They can do this, Jay. They can they can play those games, maybe not win them, you know, or maybe win just a few, but lose a bunch. But if they play the right way and play hard, I still think that there's still a benefit for this team moving forward. Yeah, because that's a mentality. I had to pop Russ off real quick here to just run off, off for a second. We'll bring him back in in just a second, and we'll get to the to business. I know a lot of people are hanging on for us to debate his tweet from the other day that I, uh, I lambasted him on, and then he responded on Snow the goalie. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, having that work ethic and standard and culture, like those are fun fun words, right? Yeah. We write about them, we talk about them, but they don't mean shit unless they're religion. And that's one thing about torts that it's not just a word. It's not just a catchphrase. And it's not when he feels like enforcing accountability or enforcing, you know, all the culture and standard and all that stuff. That's all the time with him. Um, real quick, before we, we get to, to Russ's tweet, and what did you think, you know, when, when Torts came, we had this impression of him from afar. And I found him to be, you know, he hasn't gone to DEFCON 5 just yet. He hasn't got sack. Get me sack on the line. Take me down to DEFCON. You know, he hasn't gone there yet. Right. He hasn't had to. But away from press conferences and everything else, I have found a very chill, mellow dude. And I was surprised. Intense, but chill. Yeah. And that's and that's a good thing. Um, but it's his. His normal, like what we're expecting, like the big you know, angry torts, the blow up torts, that guy. It's coming out in honesty instead right now. Like he is, he will tell you if a player is not playing well. He will tell you if he needs to see more out of a guy. Like he has no problem saying that publicly. And I think that is his way of, for now, that is his way of, you know, being torts without being, you know, over the top, yelling and screaming at everybody, the DEFCON 5 guy that you're talking about. Um, yeah. I, I think we're going to get to DEFCON 5 at some point. It's just a oh. matter of time. I mean, he's a leopard doesn't change its spots, right? I mean, he, he's going to be that guy. Um, but at, at the same time, I, I, I appreciate what he's doing. And I think that he, every, everything is calculated. Like mm-hmm. We talked about this on, on Snow the Goalie. How calculated is it that Scott Lawton is this guy that comes out wearing the A and nobody else? Yeah. What, what, is that, what message is that sending Kevin Hayes? What yep. message is that sending Provorov, who wore A's here last year? Mm-hmm. Like, what message is that sending? He said and, yesterday on the radio that he's not going to name a captain all year. And that's fine. He doesn't have to. Good. He doesn't Good. have to. But yeah. the point is, is what does it say to guys who – assume they're part of the leadership group that they can't also wear a letter on the ice. And that lots is the only one with a letter. Yes. Yes. Makes him look like the teacher's pet a little bit, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> it, it maybe, but you know what though? I, we talked a little bit about this last year about how 
I mean, Couturier is probably the guy, but if you really wanted to go with a, a more heart and soul kind of player, then Lawton would be the player that you would go with. Yeah. So, I mean, you I and think, I talked about it at press box a hundred times last yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. a, it's not, it's not a crazy thing to think of Lawton as a potential captain. Um, so I, I like that Tortorella is doing this and I, I like that he's sending messages this, this way. He does it through the media. He does it subtly. And I, so it, the, what he's doing right now, he's pushing right, the right buttons. He's coaching the team the right way. But do I think it's going to last like this the whole season? No, he's going to have one of his blowups at some point. Yeah, that's my thing. Just enjoy kind of this time because there's going to there, misery is going to happen in the seat in any NHL season. And when you're devoid of that high end talent, it's it's the law of averages. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, which brings us to Russ's tweet, which I, I melted down on the other day on the show uh, with Anthony uh, DeMarco, all these damn Anthony's. And Russ, I will tell you that the biggest issue I have with the tweet. So I'll read it real quick. Um, this was at 943 on October 18th. So what was October 18th? Three days ago, Tuesday, right? Sure. Was. Um, and it was after the, okay. So it's after the Flyers beat Tampa. And you said the Flyers are 3-0 in a season where the objective was to lose. Can't make this up. Kind of knew the torch training camp would have them better conditioned than the opposition. But the young guys are really stepping up. Hashtag fueled by Philly. Uh, the, the Really, the, the part that irritates me, even today, three days later, is that in a season where the objective was to lose. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the objective can never be to lose. Mm-hmm. And going into this season... I think we knew that wasn't the objective because the minute you hired torts, there's no way the objective was to lose. So kind of explain that to me. Yeah. If you're still upset about the tweet three days later, I don't have to tell you, man. I (laughs) I got, I don't have shit going on. If you're, if you're scared, get a dog. Um, I got one, (laughs) you know, uh, there, there are a few different lines of thinking. Um, I think like the, the surface way to read it, is uh the wrong one and i i said to ant yesterday on snow the goalie that like there probably should have been a should have in there should have been to lose which i've been very consistent about for months now i think probably for even over a year i've been consistent in this this thought this line of thinking that the only way to break out of mediocrity which is where you've been for a decade is to go one of two ways and this front office has proven incapable of going the way of building a contending team in a uh meaningful roster or one that can actually contend and make a deep playoff run. They don't have it. Um, it's a team that came into this as arguably like what a bottom seven roster in the league. If you want to be really generous and they had no cap space to start the year um, that shouldn't happen. Like that kind of thing can't happen. And so I look at it and I say, all right, objective should be to lose. I look at their off season. You had one cheat code. You had Johnny Gaudreau out there. You chose not to go that route. That's fine. Um, you chose to hang on to James Van Riemsdyk into the offseason, presumably thinking that someone would be willing to play ball. Chuck Fletcher supposedly has gravitas with other GMs in the league. Somebody would probably be willing to take that contract for one year. James Van Riemsdyk's not a bad guy. He's been a player rep for the, uh, the Players Association, not a locker room cancer. Totally fine, decent dude, can pot 20 goals, maybe more, show up on the power play. Couldn't move him. Um, it's just, I look at it and I say, the objective here should have been to lose. And and you're right. When you bring in John Tortorella, you know, conceptually, he raises your floor. So you almost screw yourself out of getting into the, the range of a top three pick if you're going to go that way. But if you're going to do that, then why didn't you make a move for Johnny Gaudreau? You know, like there's cognitive dissonance. You you can't say we're willing to raise our floor with the coach, but it's not time yet to go out and acquire somebody who can help us in some way, shape or form in terms of putting up points. And the surface level way that I think a lot of people tried to read that tweet was, oh, Russ thinks these guys should go out and intentionally lose. Like John Tortorella should go out and tell these guys, hey, guys, we're up two one in the third period. Somebody turn it over in the net. Yeah. And like, no, that's not the point. But I think if you read it like that, I don't know if, if you read that, I'm not saying you, although maybe you, I think that if you read that statement and you think that I of all people am saying that a player should go out and intentionally tank a game, then I think you're adult. You know, you said some very colorful language on your show. Oh, I tend to. I, I think that the like 
there there is no way to say that the objective this year was to win because you didn't feel the team that can win over an 82 game season. And so if you don't feel the competitive team, one that relative to the rest of the league is a team that can contend in some meaningful way. If you don't do that, then your objective is not to win. Your objective might be to do a fact finding mission for a season, but it's not to win. It's not to make the playoffs. It's not to try to contend for a Stanley cup because you didn't put your team in position to do that. As a front office, the coach is going to go out and try to lead the guys to wins. Those guys are going to go out and bust their asses to try to win. But the objective can't be to win this year. It just can't be. Would their actions, though, be more indicative of what their true intention is by not signing Gaudreau, by not trading for DeBrinket and those things? Go ahead. Let me answer, let me answer that because I don't know what their intentions are, Jason. I, 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 and I've been firm with this all summer long. I've, you know, I, I like you sometimes feel that Russ's takes are a little bit, a little bit on the hotter side. Um, but in this one, I kind of, I don't necessarily disagree with him. Yes. He could have worded it maybe slightly differently, but I knew what he was, what he was saying because the team objective, not the players, not the coach, but the team objective organizational we, organizationally. Yep. We didn't know what we, we really didn't know what their objective was because it changed so many times. Yeah. They they went from we're going to hire a coach like Tortorella that tells me that you want to win right away to we're going to do uh, an aggressive retool that tells me you want to win right away. You do that was no in January such... though. Like we got to let that go at some point. But, but right? the point is, is that it it because he had multiple opportunities. This is where I go nuts because Chuck Fletcher had multiple opportunities from January on, and as things changed yeah, in I real agree. time to walk that back definitively and to say yeah, I mean, things changed. We intended on doing an aggressive retool. Right. We were unable to move contracts. We were yep. unable to do X, Y, Z. And because of that, we've had to recalibrate. And that's where I get pissed off because it was dishonest and disingenuous to the fan base. And now go ahead, Amp. But like, no, that, no, I, and that I agree with that. I agree with that. Right? Like, I think no, Chuck's I can't let that go because the guy in charge of hockey ops refuses to take any responsibility and refuses and to acknowledge that, Maybe he didn't do a great job, or maybe things changed, but you've got to be forthright with your fan base. Otherwise, I, I don't know what we're doing here. I think Chuck's Chuck's also playing, trying to play both sides of this, even even up through training camp, Jay. I mean, he, he sits there in camp, and he wants to remind us that, hey, we're going to have a really young team. We're going to have all these young guys playing, so exciting, whatever. Yeah, the whole thing. Exciting, mm-hmm. But at the same time, which is exciting for us as we look forward to the future of the franchise, but at the same time, he says, we're going out there to look forward to prove everybody wrong. Well, what, what is it? Well, you got to say that, though. I mean, no, you don't. Well, but you, you certainly got to do one or the you other, though. Yeah, it's you do. One or the, and that's where I what? think. No, that, wait, hold on. Pause. That's, Why that's a player mentality. Like, you, you got to stand as a GM. You got to stand behind your players. You got to stand behind them and say, hey, they want them to go out there and prove people wrong. Guys like Travis Konechny and Proveroff and and raise their value, whether they're here long-term or not. See, the notion, too, that Torts was going to come in and push them for a playoff spot, if you look at his history, year one, that's not what he does. Right, exactly. He it's doesn't. not. He he goes in, and he assesses, and then he builds something that can be sustainable. Every Everywhere he's gone, with the exception of Vancouver, because that was one year, in year one of his full season, he did not make the playoffs. And yeah. then beyond that, he had a minimum of four straight years in the playoffs at every location. With an arc, you know, obviously in Tampa in year three, I guess technically year four because he came in as a midseason replacement, he won a cup. In New York, he got to a conference final, I think it was in year three. And then in, obviously in Columbus, he won the one round of playoffs in the bubble and then eventually walked away. But uh, see, I don't think that intention was there. I think the intention when you hired Torts was to to get the culture and standard turned around. I, I think I never listened to what GMs and coaches say sometimes because it doesn't matter what matters is their actions i read their actions not their words it well, is what i'm saying and that's fair and that's fair tickets are coming up the, i the fans yeah. listen yeah and, and when and, the fans and, are told yeah i get that yeah you're right about that but here's and the, then, here's, here's the here's yeah. the the elephant in the room and and i know that chuck tried to downplay it i know chuck brought it up himself after the hiring of tortorella in a press conference because nobody asked him. He felt the need to say it, okay? But I know for a fact, because it was my report, that he did not want John Tortorella to be the coach of this team. 
It was not his choice. This was a choice that came from above him and around him and was not his first choice. Not to say that he wasn't didn't want to hire Torrell, period, but Torrell was not his top choice. Wasn't his top first choice was probably Trotz, correct? Okay. Barry Trotz was certainly his first choice. Yeah. Um, point is, is that when you have that and when you have all of these things and you kind of look at it, you know, and and you know, to, to, for them to sit there and say, we were never in on Gaudreau, and I have people who are very close to Johnny who told me they were talking with the Flyers at length. So you're lying to the public again there. Um, they were in on Gaudreau. They just didn't want to – at one point they decided that, that it was better to not go that route, and maybe that was better for the team ultimately. But they were – to, to sit there and say we were never in on him is, again, BS. They were in on him. They were – in on Johnny Gaudreau, 100% they were talking to his, to his camp. I promise you this. It's why Gaudreau waited. It's why he waited. He was waiting for a counter a response from the Flyers. He didn't send in Columbus till about 5 o'clock that night. Yes. Yeah, it's why he waited. So yeah. the, so I, I get a sense that our GM is very disingenuous with the media and in turns is, is disingenuous with the fan base. And so therefore – we don't know what we don't know what we're supposed to believe from him as as you know what the direction of the team is or or what our goals are or what our objectives are so in essence we have to kind of create our own and i think russ kind of looks at it and says let's look at this roster on paper let's see what this ro- roster looks like it's not a con- it's not a playoff contending roster Certainly if it, if it does well and it overachieves that's great on the coach because it gets us that much closer to being a good team next season. But at the same time, we can't expect great things from this roster as it's constructed. So, and we're about to enter a draft with at least two, maybe three generational talents at the top of it. So maybe the objective is to try not to be a playoff team and see if we can land one of those guys to help further. Because look, they're very high on Cutter Gauthier, right? We think that he's going to be – Boston College was playing him as their top-line center, and he mm-hmm. was being scouted by most people as, as a, a winner, freshman. and the Flyers were smart enough to say, hey, like, what about if this kid is a center, right? So there's yeah. a lot to like there, and there's a lot to like with some of the drafts. Chuck and, 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 and his team have done a nice job, I think, in the drafts. There's a lot of good young players – getting ready to come into this organization. There's NHL guys that'll play in the NHL, but there's no bona fide dis- difference. Maybe Gauthier is. Gauthier could a guy be you can throw five. over the boards that Correct. the other team goes, oh shit, he's on the ice. Right, <laughs> like exactly. You need those guys. So, right. So, but if you, so if you have the opportunity to get one of those guys yeah. in the draft, and then you have a kid like Gauthier coming who could be like a really good second banana, and then you start clearing out some of these contracts, and the team has at least shown some signs of moving forward under this coach well again guess what then your re- your rebuild is a quick rebuild which is yeah, it, got, far, it got a shot of adrenaline right it's far more yep. what i prefer let's do it in two to three seasons as opposed to the long range tear it all down blow it all up and yep. take eight years before you're good again like yeah, that so this they... is this is my way of rebuilding and if it works yeah. credit to them but come out and say that's what you're doing that's what I have. A, that's my biggest. Beef. The mixed messaging is your biggest issue. And, there, and think, there has been very mixed messaging. And I think that that's what Russ is kind of going. It's like, so if yeah. I don't have a message I can trust, I need to create my own. And and in that sense, I'd rather they not be a mediocre team this year. I'd rather they be toward the bottom so that they have a chance to get one of those generational players and, and, and uh, expedite this rebuild. Yeah. Uh, Russ, were you and I agree, you know, and I, I listened to Snow the Goalie yesterday. I actually watched it on you, your YouTube channel, by the way. Um, so check that out. Um, you and I agree. Like, like, do I want Connor Bedard? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Anybody like, yeah. You, oh, God, he's incredible. Connor Bedard makes me and, and you more money, <laughs> frankly, because the minute you drafted a player like that, the team jumps to a different level. Do you got to run at? Yeah, I do. Okay, he's got to go cover the Phillies. So we'll let you go. We'll keep Russ. Russ, you good? This guy. This guy. You're losing so your I, buffer. I actually, I, actually, I actually have something I have to do for my other job before I go cover the Phillies. But the thing is with the Phillies, now that Major League Baseball is running things, they make it that much harder to get into the damn building. Oh, yeah. The Phillies yeah. were like, yeah, no problem. Just typical, nor- last round, normal process. 
walk in your normal media entrance, go in, get your credential. Yeah, the league takes over fine. DNA sample. It's yep. unbelievable. Yep. The the back and forth. You park on one side of the building. You got to walk all the way around to the other side to get your credential and proof of everything. And then you got to go back and then they're going to scan everything. It's it's going to take two hours just to get into the building. Today. Oh my God. Well, it's a go, en- go enjoy it though. It's going to, it'll be a wild atmosphere. It'll be sure. a lot of fun. I appreciate it. All right. We'll let Ant go. And, and Russ, are you good for a bit? I'm, I'm, I'm great. You got nothing but time. <laughs> I've got um, a, an ever growing list of things to write and edit, but I am here for you. Okay. We'll just, we'll just take a few more minutes. Um, but, but you, where you and I, like, I want a Bedard. I want to be in that position. You know, the lottery is such a crapshoot because yeah. of the, the reform and the odds and everything like that. Finishing last doesn't, really mean much. I mean, go back to 2017, right? Colorado is the worst team in the league by 40 standings points. And they end up drafting fourth. And at the time, they were furious. Like, what else do we have to do? First of all, how'd they finish for that bad with McKinnon and Landeskog and everything they had? They draft fourth and boom, they get McCarr. What? Yeah. Just a stroke of genius and they're off and running. But, um, you know, like, I think when it's all said and done, this season. I mean, we're only what four games in, mm-hmm. you know, things are going to balance out. I, I, my point is, I think you got to enjoy when things are going well, because if you, if them winning makes you miserable in a season where there's going to be a lot of losing, you're going to tie yourself in mental knots and go crazy. I guess. I don't Not know. Not you, I guess. I, don't, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't sit down and like watch a Flyers game and actively root for them to lose. It's not my DNA. Like, I, I don't know who could do that. But from a macro level, you at some point have to kind of sit back and say, what's the best thing for this team? And what's the best thing for my fandom? And it should be to break out of the perpetual cycle of, you know, hockey purgatory. Big picture, long term is what you're talking about. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You have to zoom out for a second. You know, like if if you go into everything at the most micro level, like if you're living and dying with every line change, I mean, you're going to you're going to lose your mind. You know, if you go into every game with your heart and soul and like you certainly can. And like, you know, for the people who are only hockey fans, who are only Flyers fans, like I get it. It would be you'd be diametrically opposed to wanting to see the team lose because it's your only thing. It's the only thing you care about in the sports world. But if you're like a multi-sport fan, you have other outlets. You know, you have other teams that you can cheer for. You know, you can get yourself you can throw yourself into the Phillies run. You can throw yourself into the Eastern Conference final with the Union next week. You can decide to like smash your head through a cinder block while watching Doc Rivers continue to fail to make adjustments with the Sixers. Like you can do that, I guess. But like I can't sit down and say I want this team to lose as I'm watching the game. But conceptually, the best thing for them is to lose. And like the the biggest counter, and you kind of mentioned it, you know, it's like what a 15% chance if you have the worst record in the league of getting the number one pick. And so, like, the, the nonsense that I see is, well, even if you have the worst, the worst record, you only have a 15% chance. Okay, that's true. But conceptually, if your idea is to try to get one of these top two or three guys in the draft, you have to do something to put yourself in position for that. You can't just say, well, you know what, I, I, I want to I go out and watch, you know, Morgan Frost take that next step. And if that means that the, that the Flyers finish with the eighth worst record instead of the fifth worst record, it was worth it. Like, I, I don't agree with that. I think that that's kind of silly. But, you know, if if you look at it and, and what I said yesterday on Snow the Goalie with Ant was, look, if if this team overachieves in a big way, and I mean like a big way, where they're a quasi bubble playoff team and they overachieved in a way that is sustainable over time, you watch Morgan Frost take the next step. You watch Wade Allison take the next step. Hopefully Joel Farabee gets healthy. I don't think he's right right now. No, he's fighting uh, the like, puck. You know, if he continues, you know, he takes some time maybe and then comes back and, and gets off to the right set. And you get a bunch of these young guys playing the right way. If they all overachieve together, then that is the best outcome because that would indicate that perhaps those guys have something in them that we didn't see. And if it's sustainable for a period of time, it's not an anomaly, then by all means, like that's the best thing for the franchise going forward. I just don't think that that's where they're at. Now, if we get 40, 50 games into the season, and I'm very wrong, like, I will gladly eat crow about it. Like, I will. But I I don't foresee it. And if this team ends up being a, a sort of bubble team on the back of, like, Kevin Hayes and James Van Riemsdyk, that's the worst thing that could happen. 
because at that point, young guys haven't taken that step forward. It's a Mm -hmm. bunch of aging or expensive vets that really shouldn't have much of a future with the team. Hazewell, just because his contract's an albatross, but like it should be the young guys. If the young guys overachieve, awesome. You won't hear a complaint from me. And if they lose, by the way, you won't hear me railing against them for losing. See, I will rail against them if they're work actually bad. this is going to be weird but i actually disagree in a way okay i think it's good yeah the young players develop and some of them are going to and inherently some aren't that's just the way it is right um and, and it would be great but I, I no matter what even if those young players develop they're still not high end you know top line threat to score on individual effort at any time you still won't have that It'll be good because, yeah, you okay, we've rounded out our roster, but you're still missing the crown jewel of the, the face you can put on the marquee. I mean, I think it's important for guys like Konechny and Provorov to really get the arc of their NHL mid-career uh, development going in the right direction. Konechny's off to a great start. I think Provorov is too. Uh, but where does that go long-term? I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on the end game. And we'll see where the lottery balls fall and all that stuff. And I, I still think that they'll be in a position. I haven't changed my expectation based on these four games in any way, shape, or form. Have you changed your expectation for the entire 82 based on this? I mean, to me, it's just a start that happened. There's a lot of factors that go into it. A team that is trying to prove people wrong. A team that is well-conditioned, is well-coached, and seems to have better structure. And look, a lot of it's on the back of the goaltender, too. Although I did a breakdown today on Flyers Daily. It's odd. Carter, in his first 10 games of seasons, um, generally speaking, hasn't had a start like this. Has had one other really good start. But save percentage hasn't really kind of been an indicating factor on team success, which is odd. But I I was kind of shocked by that. But overall, I think everything kind of settles where it's going to settle because 82 – like a baseball season, you are what you are yeah. because there's a lot of sample size. Like we tend to look at this, Russ, a lot of times like an Eagles team, 16 games back in the day, right? And you yeah. live and die by each one. You just can't attack an 82-game season with that mentality because you'll spin yourself in knots. Yeah. I mean, if if you go down to a game, cheer for the team to win. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. You want to be entertained. I mean, that's what yeah, this is. you should. I mean, if you yeah. decide to go down and spend money on this team, I mean – you can certainly do that. I wouldn't, but like you could. And if you do, like, I hope that the team wins. Like, I hope you have a great time. Um, but, you know, at some point you have to be willing to suffer a little bit as a fan if it means that the team is going to be better. And if you were to get a Bedard, it fundamentally alters the future of your team. It fundamentally changes the entire trajectory of what this team could be. Because then, as you kind of mentioned before, Bedard comes here. We're one of the other, uh, one of the other, the other two highly tatted prospects come here. Fantilly or Michkov. Yeah, like you get one of those guys. All of a sudden, James Van Riemsdyk seven million comes off the books. You start to get a little bit creative. Ivan Provorov's name probably pops up in trade rumors. Probably get a nice little return for Provorov. You also get out of the six million he's owed. At that point. Now you have some flexibility. My problem is uh, I I still cannot understand why the GM is in place, and I still under no circumstances would give him another trade deadline in another offseason. But for whatever reason, this organization seems content with him pulling the strings. He has done nothing, and I mean nothing, to inspire hope for what he can do as a leader of a team, as a constructor of a team, um, I genuinely do not understand what the organization sees in him. If you end up in a situation where you get to draft anywhere near the top of the lottery, I would certainly hope that you would make a wholesale change in the front office and allow a new vo- a new voice, a new vision to lead this team into the next era of what Flyers hockey is going to be. Because otherwise, it's really hard to go into an offseason expecting anything of significance to happen. Just where I'm yeah. at. I mean, if you look at this draft in particular, if you're at the very top of it, it's it's kind of a no-brainer, right, yeah. <laughs> where you're going. I mean, if you're at the top three, you're if you're one, you're taking Bedard. 
and then it's Fantilli probably second at this point. We'll see if that changes. Um, I think their drafting has been fine. They just haven't drafted high enough. And how, but how much do you put on Ron Hextall? Because so much of what this team is right now, to me, is a direct result, not only of Hexy, but a, a result of Nolan Patrick in particular. Sure. I mean, that's the colossal, I mean, like all the, all tentacles lead to Nolan Patrick. You know, Kevin Hayes is here because Nolan Patrick couldn't answer the bell. They knew he was out for that season. And, you know, that's a big, big factor. It is. Um, I put a decent chunk of putting too much stock into specific players as being game changers or being core pieces of the team on Ron Hextall. But I would argue that the longer term damage that's been done has been done under Chuck Fletcher, who continues to hand out no movement clauses, modified no movement clauses to players that don't either deserve it or haven't um, seeded at least uh, you know some AAV in exchange. Uh, I think Travis Sanheim's a nice player. I think eight years is absurd. Um, once the cap goes up, it's going to be a decent deal. I don't think it's a bad deal. I like Travis Sanheim as a player. Um, but like the Nick Delorier signing silly, um, too, too much term and also a no movement clause. Like yeah. that, that makes it's, yeah, that it's makes funny sense. because when you hear, and it, it even happened on opening night, you heard, well, there aren't a lot of players like Nick Delorier in this, uh, in this league. Well, there's a reason for that. Um, and just the idea that like there was a market for Nick Delorier and that's why you had to give him a no movement clause is silly at best. Well, but, I will tell you that the reason why Nick Delaria is here is not because of the GM. Okay. It's the coach. The coach wanted him. I, I'm shocked. That when I saw four years, Russ, and a modified no move, I was like, huh? Why? Because it's insane. a very difficult contract to then move at a deadline. He's a player that teams would like for, you know, for the sandpaper in the playoffs. But yeah. at four years, that's not not in the cards. That again is where you come back to like, what is this team? This is like the mm-hmm. lack of vision thing, right? Because yeah. that's that's a piece that maybe you add to a playoff roster, mm-hmm. right? To one that expects to make a playoff run. Yeah, Torch is really bullish on him. I'm, I, that That's a head coach move right there. Yeah. This is a guy I need. Go get him. It's just, you know, you see the number of contracts that have been given out. You see the length. You see the term. I, I just don't get it. That's yeah, where I'm at. And, I, and the I think- cap, he, he is fundamentally put the team in cap hell yeah so even even if this organization were to move on from him like say over the next 30 games the wheels fall off and spectacor believes that this is finally the the moment that they can make a change which would probably just be to internally promote danny briere let's hope he's ready if they did that the next guy who comes in is gonna have to really work some magic is really gonna have to pull on some favors right is going to hopefully have some gravitas, like meaningful gravitas with their colleagues to get themselves out of some of these deals. Uh, it That's the part that scares me. Hextall was a buffoon to some extent. Wasn't a, as good of a drafter as maybe people thought he was at the time. Perhaps put too much stock into the Ivan Provorovs and Travis Konechny's of the world. But he didn't put the team, to my knowledge, unless I'm missing something, into like a six-year cap hell. Did and sign JVR, which is about to come off the books. Yeah, you know who, by the way, like even though he is not a top end player, again can still net you twenty goals. Has value probably to a playoff team potentially, as somebody who could score lower in the in the lineup. Helps a power but, play for sure. Yeah. So, um, the last thing you know, I look at it and it, the the perception. When a team has had the past two years like they've had, mm-hmm. miserable, just fucking miserable seasons, right? And we keep seeing contracts being handed out. That's from an optics standpoint, you go, wait a minute, why are you tying guys up when you've had miserable seasons? Yeah. Th- that, that, and I agree with you. That's an optics thing that, like, you can look at each individual deal and feel the way you feel about it. Like Farabee made sense. He's coming off an ELC. Carter Hart made sense coming off an ELC. All those things. But you Couturier see Sanheim going. The, Couturier at the AAV in a vacuum made sense. Except mm-hmm. you look at the the miles, the wear and tear, the lack of tread left on the tire kind of thing, right? Like he, he came into the league super young. Like 
Yeah, 18. Just basic logic would probably tell you that like the term on that one's going to be really brutal and that you would hope you can get through the first half of that deal with him being able to, you know, be held together with more than paper clips and tape, you know? And so a lot of the these terms have been like the ultimate thing players want now more than yeah. anything. They'll drop the AAV just for term. And here's the thing though. If term is the thing that, that players want and you're willing to give term, like you Sanheim is an example that AAV in an, in, in a vacuum, if it were a four or five year deal would be totally fine. But over eight years, even if we say the cap's going to go up, there should have been a concession. Like I think a good GM probably works out whether it's a bloated second half of the deal when the cap is expected to go up, but give themselves a million, million and a half wiggle room over the next two to three years while we wait for that cap to expand. Like there, there needs to be a concession. More on foresight the is what you're saying. Yeah. Do you say foresight? Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing Chuck Fletcher doesn't have. So I like, I just come back to it. You know, it's just like, I hate to drone on about it, but like, what what has he done to instill confidence in a fan base? Yeah, like what? And especially coming off the last couple of years, you go, you're you're re-signing guys that went through that. So why not make change? Not change for the sake of change, but if you build a championship team in any sport, your general manager has to be elite at at least one facet of their job: drafting, free agency, trades. Howie Roseman, historically not a great drafter. Better of late, historically wasn't great, would win every trade he made. You cannot have a GM in place who is mediocre at best in multiple of those facets. Chuck Fletcher does not win trades. His drafting maybe is okay, though probably a wasted second-round pick. Uh, Free agency, not ideal. I just I think that at some point the team just kind of has to say, you know what? Even if you like the guy, it's probably best to move separate ways because there is, unfortunately for him, a bit of a black cloud that looms overhead. He's been here and overseen multiple years of bad teams and given out some questionable contracts. Yeah, like you look at the Rista line and deal up against the deadline. You know, they extend him. I, I like Rista line. I think he's got value. That's I know fine. the analytics community hates him, but. Um, I think he does provide something, even though he hasn't played this year. But to me, I would I probably would have moved him at the deadline and recouped something. You can always sign him in the offseason. Like, there's no rule against signing him again in the offseason. Um, the only one I would not have moved at a deadline would have been Lawton because the cost per replacement for what he brings on and off the ice, I think, was, was – I think he got a deal for what you get in total package with him. Yeah, I mean, we had Fletcher on Snow the Goalie a, a year ago, year and a half ago whenever it was that he signed Lawton and his, his rationale, this is one that I give him that was solid. The rationale was um, not re-signing Scott Lawton meant that we were either going to have to use draft, you know, draft capital in a trade to acquire another guy who's like Scott Lawton or go out in free agency and probably spend more money on another guy who is like Scott Lawton. I have no problem with it. Scott Lawton is a good player. He's a good locker room guy. He's respected. He's scrappy. Uh, I like him. I like him as a player. I think he's a, He's a good player. I think he's totally fine. If you want to strap the, you know, put the C on him next season, no issues. But it almost feels like that's the anomaly, right? Like when you can just point to one move and the rest, you just go, man, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know what the vision was. That that's the problem is it, it feels like a perpetual state of self-preservation and you cannot build a, a championship contender when your GM is in a constant state of, of self-preservation. It just doesn't work. It never will. Yeah, I see some of the other, like a Bill Zito or Kent Hughes in, in Montreal, and it's interesting because they come from an agent background, how they do things with you – know, Zito obviously took over a different situation down there but in Florida, but uh, in Montreal, I'll be interested to see how Kent Hughes handles that situation up there. I, I think the agent thing, I think, is something that you could see happening more and more because nobody knows the market better than agents. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. So I think that's a huge asset in you know roster construction so uh russ this was fun thanks for doing this man i really appreciate it i lambasted you the other day you came on and we discussed it and i think we even though we don't agree on all elements and i still hate that wording of where the objective was to lose and if you had you put should have in there okay 
I, I probably wouldn't have freaked out, but you know me, I'm an emotional prick. <laughs> you're emotional. I don't know if I'd say you're a prick. I would say that you're emotional. Did you see uh, my new Twitter avatar? The, the gnome. I love that. Yes. Yeah. I, I heard you say I was listening in the car and I you called me a, a garden gnome. And I'm like, I, said resident I have garden a flyer's gnome. garden gnome. I said resident garden gnome. Jason yes. Peterson. Um, uh, I kind of think that's a problem. I, you know, uh, if you want, we can Photoshop your face on there. I think it'd be great. Keep I it up there for a while. That. that can be, um, that can be like the positivity gnome. That's the Posadelphia gnome. Yeah, that thing's looking a little weathered out there. You know, I got too many years tied up in contract to that garden gnome. I don't even know where I got the damn thing. I, I mean, no idea. Honest, you did, you did say before we came on. You know, the eyesight's starting to go. Oh, you know, getting a little bit older. I mean, one could argue that that lawn gnome is kind of a you know, microcosm of, of where you're at in life. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Where I'm at or the team's at? <laughs> I don't know. Probably all of the above. If Listen, if they if they do what they've done the last few years for a few more, that beard is going to be fully gray. And I don't know. I don't know where the Stick to Hockey podcast is going to be at that point. You're going to come on here with, you know, uh, Coke bottle glasses. and Yes. Stick to Hockey Live. <laughs> uh, hey, thanks for doing this. People can get all your stuff. Tell people where they can follow you and get all the – uh, the pertinent information. You can follow the show Snow the Goalie uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Snow the Goalie, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. You can go to snowthegoalie.com, which is like a very wonderful uh, little site thing I set up. It doesn't well, I didn't look even know you good. had that. All right. I, I did it. I did it one night. I was bored. It was like two in the morning. I was writing sports betting stuff. And I said, you know, I'm just going to buy the domain and let's have some fun. So that's that's there. Um, new episodes every week. We're on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. If you want to watch, if you want to look into the uh, – the eyes of Anthony Sanfilippo as he's talking. If you want to, you know, smile along with Bundy as uh, I make a goofy point, you can certainly do that. Um, that's all the places that you can find it. And anywhere, your favorite podcast app, we're there. There you go. Check it out. Uh, appreciate you doing this, man. Have a good one. Thanks, man. There he See is. Up. Russ Joy from Snow the Goalie, Crossing Broad. And uh, thanks to him for stepping in and uh, joining us here today. Anthony Sanfilippo as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I still don't like the tweet. I just... You know, in a season where the objective was to lose, I just, you know, it's such a fundamental thing where an objective can ever be to lose. That's just, that's, that's a hard nut for me to crack because I think whenever you plug that scoreboard in, the objective is never to lose because if you, if that's the objective, the organizational objective to lose you're telling your players that it's okay to lose. And I just don't like that. That's a hot button thing for me, in case you don't know. So, but we'll see where we're good. Like I said to Russ, my expectations have not changed at all. It's four games. It's been a fun start. They've been scrappy and they've played honest. And they've been resilient and they've worked hard. And I appreciate those things, but that's not going to necessarily change my opinion just yet there's a there's a lot a lot of runway in front of us here eric uh, messages in and says you can't get your youngs better if you lose he said loose but uh, you meant lose i know I, I i just don't think that's ever good but anyway um everybody thanks for watching thanks for listening make sure you leave us a five-star rating review hit the subscribe button on uh, youtube and uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. Let me tell you about Bet Parks because it's a great time to get on the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Yeah, the casino part's great. Sportsbook's even greater because you can bet on everything same game parlays, live in game betting, player performances on all the sports, anything you can imagine. It is there for you. Easy to set up, fun to use. Look for the uh, Stick to Hockey boost coming up. I think it's on Wednesday this week. By the way, they hit the boost this, this Wednesday night. Because TK scored with 1.9 seconds left. The boost was Flyers plus one and a half. The original line was um, plus 110. It got boosted to plus 250. <laughs> and because TK scored to make it a one goal game with 1.9 seconds left, the boost hit. Beautiful. Hope you played it. If not, look for the boost this week and get on the Bet Parks app. And download it. You do need to be present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. You need to be over 21. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And thanks to Conquerville Subaru. Great weekend to jump down to the dealership. Check out the great inventory of certified uh, used vehicles and a list of incoming Subaru models 
down at Route 202 in Glen Mills, the beautiful Conqueror Subaru dealership. Great work in the community. As Russ pointed out, La Comunidad España in Kennett Square is where they donate the code. So I got a little lesson in Spanish on the program as well. Again, visit ConquervilleSubaru.com and check out the showroom of Route 202 in Glen Mills. Remember, Conquerville cares. Joey B, one last message. This is a great show. Enjoy your weekend, Jason. That's the message for you as well. Everybody, enjoy the weekend. Back-to-back Flyers games. Saturday night, they'll be in Nashville, 8 o'clock, uh, down there to take on the Preds. And then Sunday, they'll return home to take on the San Jose Sharks at Wells Fargo Center. So uh, be plenty to talk about Monday with Anthony DeMarco. Um, we have Anthony DeMarco on Monday. And then Wednesday next week, put a little note in your phone, uh, our good buddy, Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine, the goalie guru, the goalie whisperer, is going to join us, talk about Carter Hart, talk about goaltending. And Kevin always provides great information. He's been on a bunch of times, and I know people really get a lot out of Kevin coming on. I was texting with him yesterday. Uh, So Woody's going to come on uh, coming up on Wednesday. So we'll see who we have next Friday as well. But everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. And we shall talk to you coming up Monday on what will be a brand new edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a good weekend.